0: I never saw myself going on missions because I always I always envisioned missionaries as uh, people who are pastors.
1: Frankly, only for, you know, religious people or people that had this, that heard from God. Pastors, uh, missionaries, and evangelists or the chosen one, uh, but I think the mission is for uh, everyone.
0: I'm just a teacher, single mom, you know, and I noticed that missionaries are Significantly younger than
1: I am. I was afraid that I'd curse or I'd slip or I'd say something that offended them. And I don't work in a church. I, I, I've never been a pastor. I've never been to Bible school. Like, I was afraid that I would go and I wouldn't have anything in common with these guys. Everybody thinks you have to be super Christian and you have to be going to church for your whole life. I think mission is for everybody. You know, if you follow Christ, you're part of this mission. My biggest fear about you going was being halfway across the world and cutting the strings at 17 years old and having to be responsible and, and not having contact and just trusting in God that she's gonna be okay. God is using me and Rebecca as a family uh, to impact uh, many people in India. Uh, through church planting, starting orphanages, through helping widows, I've seen lives being transformed. God is using, I think, when we are available, uh, when we listen to God, um, I think He just uses us.
0: We give on a a monthly basis, and we've made a decision to do that. However we're able to help them uh, is really, really helping them. Um, And so if if people are able to give on a consistent basis, however much that may be, um, it means a lot to them
1: makes an impact on you, but it also makes an impact on the work environment. I had people at the office like, what you, you're going to Nepal? Why? And I got to come back and share with them what we saw. And I got a chance to share it with what's really going on outside of our country and truly look them in the eye and say, we can all make a difference. We all can do something. It doesn't need to be perfect, but we can do something.
0: Hi Roy and Susie, I wanted to let you know that your money will go a long ways in helping us to accomplish the work that we need to do on behalf of so many children without shoes and proper clothing. I can't thank you enough for trusting us and allowing us to be the hands and feet of Jesus on your behalf. Larry Good, Lost Children of Peru. We're everyday kind of
1: people, and I was like, how does that? How do we make an impact? And then we see her go, and. it it fills my heart with so much joy. It almost makes me cry. And I love the fact that my children get to see their dad leaving his house. And as my five-year-old says, he's like, well, daddy's going to help poor people. And it just warms my heart.
0: The other day I was at South Glen, and this guy
1: walks up, and I ended up praying for him. And it was just like we had done in Denver, and it
0: was no different in my everyday life.
2: I just kind of just told my story, and I never thought my
0: story would Make a difference to anybody, but they, um, you know, I learned from them and they learned from
1: me. Mission transformed my life. Mission changed my life. But I would say go. Just simply go. It's, you know, try to do it with no preconceived notions and it changes your life.
2: Good morning. good morning! How's everybody doing today? Good. We want to welcome all of you, those that are watching online, and even in the future when you uh, hear or watch this message, we want to welcome you to Jubilee Fellowship. We are glad that you are here this weekend, and uh, we're, we're finishing up this series on, uh, on missions. It's, it's called Ordinary, and uh, uh, we are so excited about what God is doing uh, through this series. We've already heard some really good uh, good responses and good just feedback from this. My name is Jonathan Murley, and this is my wife, Rebecca. And we are the Global Missions Pastors here at Jubilee Fellowship. And we get the, the pleasure really of finishing up this series, uh, but we also get the opportunity to, to teach it together. And you're gonna hear from Rebecca in just a few minutes as she, uh, she finishes up the second half of the message. Um, I'll tell you a little story actually last night. Um, we finished up the message and uh, I got a really beautiful text message from a friend one text message she all night last night her phone was ding 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 ding. just about how she did so you're gonna enjoy and be blessed by that she does she's not gonna like that i said that but it is the truth um i want to thank pastor john and Paul Childers, for the past couple of weeks, they've given, uh, they've given the message. If you missed either one of those messages, you can go back and, uh, and hear those at the, the message archive. And then the song that we have done uh, for the past couple of weeks called, Send Me, you can go and download that, it's free. Uh, we put it on our website so you can download that for free and be blessed by that. And that was actually written by uh, Janelle Jackamore and Josh Pruitt, and Janelle is, uh, is in the missions department right now. So we've been doing this series based on Acts 4.13. Let's look at this real quick. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now just, again, for a little bit of context, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus, okay? These, uh, these in fact, were men that were ordinary men, but they weren't country bumpkin Uh, hillbillies, right? They just weren't uh, ordained scholars in the scriptures like it used to be in in old times, like the Sanhedrin was in this scripture. Uh, We're gonna dig into that in just a minute. I wanted to tell you just real quickly about some of the things that we have been a part of this year. God is using this church to impact the nations. It is amazing what God is doing. Uh, We've had about 200 people from our church, from all of our campuses, go on short-term mission trips just this year. Uh, Just this year to this date, we've had an impact at about 54 countries in this world. That's by going, giving, uh, short-term teams that have gone. Uh, You guys have been a part of that. Um, We are on track to actually invest more than a million dollars in 2016 in our local and global missions efforts. So countries like Nepal, you actually saw that in the video here. China, we actually just had a team that got back on Monday, last Monday, from India. Uh, Many of you just got back from, from Israel nearly 50 countries more, you guys have had an impact in reaching the world. And it is not insignificant, it is impactful. If you have uh, been a part of that, thank you. But Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists are all becoming followers of Christ. These people are getting baptized into Christ because of you and our investment and our, uh, what we're doing around the world. So thank you for being a part of that. I wanna make a statement that uh, I want you to take note of though. I am really pleased with our progress. God is using this church, the people in this church, the ordinary people in this church to make a difference. I am so pleased with what is happening, but I am not content or satisfied that we have accomplished everything that God has called us to do, amen? There is so much more in this world to do. There's so much more that God has called us to do. Um, I just love how uh, our associate missions pastor said it last year. Uh, Ethan Matat said, he used to think that uh, pastors were the the varsity Christians, right? And that missionaries were the super varsity Christians. These were the people that were pretty close to perfect, right? Uh, They were more favored by God than anybody else. They were uh, spotless, they were sinless, they were the ones that could really hear from God. But you know what? Nothing could actually be farther from the truth. People that are doing great things for God are ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things because of an extraordinary God and savior. That is the good news, that we can be ordinary and God can use us. We can have sin in our lives, not only past sin, but current sin and God can still use us. That is the good news. So the basis of missions is this. It is simply getting God's heart for you and then giving it to the world. It's understanding what God has done in your life, what he is doing in your life. It's discovering what God is doing in your life, getting his heart for you, that he thinks about you more than you can number the grains of the sand in the earth. God is so madly, in love with you, in your sin, in your brokenness. He loves you and wants to use you. It's getting that heart, and then it's just telling other people about that. It's telling other people about it in your communities, in your cities, those that are in the confines of our border here in the U.S., and then going to the ends of the earth where the light of Christ isn't just dim. In some cases, it's actually non-existent. There is absolutely no Christian witness. You ask them about Coke, and they know, yeah, I've had a Coke. But you ask them about Jesus and they have no idea who Jesus is. That is simply uncovering uh, what missions is, is getting God's heart for you and then giving it to the world. So maybe another way to say is like the Lord's Prayer is, uh, is understanding what missions is in the context of the Lord's Prayer, about bringing heaven to earth. So let's talk about ordinary in the context of missions. Ordinary in the context of missions isn't uninteresting, unremarkable, or mundane. In fact, it's quite the opposite. When we live our lives on a mission, when, we're lives, when our lives are, are living missionally, miracles are commonplace. Let's look at this little scripture from Luke 9, 6. Just this little couple, one-sentence scripture. So they went out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people. What's the last word? Everywhere. They were healing people everywhere. So let's get a picture of what's going on here. This is a time when Jesus is alive. It's actually a time when he is the one that is doing the miracles. He is doing the one miracles. His disciples are in tow. They're watching the master. They're watching him heal people. They're watching him raise the dead. They're watching him proclaim the good news. They're learning from him. He's teaching them. Remember after these things, he goes, takes them away. He gathers them. He talks to them. He like debriefs with them what's going on. But Jesus is the one doing the miracles, right? And then he gathers the disciples together. And this is what he does. He says, I'm gonna give you the authority to do these miracles. I'm gonna give you the authority to proclaim the good news. You're gonna heal people. You're gonna raise the dead. And then he says, You guys, guess what? You're gonna go out on a short-term mission trip around Israel. So he sends them out. Jesus stays back, and he sends the disciples out. And the disciples go from village to village, proclaiming the good news, healing people, everywhere they went with Jesus's authority. And then they come back, and they share with Jesus, Jesus, I was able to pray for somebody, and they got healed. It wasn't you, it was me that did this. He gave them the authority to do that. How do I actually know that short-term mission trips are biblical? Because Jesus did it. Jesus did it with his disciples. So, but those are like for biblical times, right? We're, we're past that, right? No, we're not actually past that. Miracles still happen today. We actually hear about them and see them on our short-term mission trips. We hear about them from our long-term missionaries. Guys, just last year, we were on a short-term trip to El Salvador and we were with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Right, anybody have sixth, seventh, or eighth graders? I do. You know how squirrely they are, right? You know how like unfocused they are sometimes? Okay, so we're on this mission trip and these kids see a woman in a wheelchair and they go, let's pray for her. Uh, Let's do it, guys. Let's pray for her. They prayed for her. She got up out of her wheelchair. She walked up the street and down the street with her hands in the air praising God because she was healed. Guys, these are sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. These are kids that did this. Imagine the conversation in the bus going back to where we were staying. They're like, yeah, we prayed for this lady. and She got up. It was amazing. Miracles are commonplace. Um, let me find my space in my notes here. <laughs> so this lady's family actually said that she hadn't walked more than this. This, this, is the more, this is the most she had walked in over a year. So God used these, these young people to heal this woman. And the best thing is God got all the glory because we can't do this in our own strength. I mean, I've prayed for a lot of people and I have seen people healed. I've seen blind eyes healed. I have seen people that couldn't see healed and able to see. Actually the first words that they were reading was the words of scripture. I have seen that, but I have prayed for a lot of people that didn't experience that. So imagine just the, just the excitement that happened with these students, it was pretty cool. Um, The second ordinary thing that happens when we live our lives missionally is that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and insight on what to say and to who to say it to. Let's read from Luke 12, Luke 12, 11, and 12. When the leaders take you to places of worship and to the courts and to the leaders of the country, do not be worried about what you should say or how to say it. Verse 12, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you should say at that time when you need it. So one of the things that we learned pretty quickly in missions is that things don't always you know, go right or go according to plan, right? Schedules change, uh, emergencies come up, uh, but also wonderful ministry opportunities come up as well. And I remember one time I was in India and I was teaching and I just had a very rigorous teaching schedule, like nine or 10 days straight, uh, sometimes even two or three times a day. And it was at the end of our trip, and I was actually starting to think about coming home. And then our contact comes up to us and he says, hey, there is a a group of young people, of teens, that uh, have gathered together, just an impromptu gathering, and they want you to to speak to them. Uh, And by the way, it starts in just about five minutes. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm here to be a blessing. I'm here to push back darkness in this dark place. So yes, I will do this. Lord, I need your help though. I need to know what you wanna speak to these young people. So in the five minutes walking over there, what happened was like this download, like from from the matrix, right? You You just plug in, and, right? Just for God's heart for these young people. And what happened in that service was actually what happened in Luke 12 for me. God gave me and the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say in the time that I needed it. It was pretty cool, it was pretty cool. So that was in India, but it can happen in Indiana. Right? It can happen at the gas station. It can happen at the parking lot. God can give us the worst to say if we're listening and if we're open to, to him, like interrupting our lives sometimes, right? Because I was thinking about my plane ride home. I was thinking about seeing my wife and uh, seeing my kids and, and just actually getting a good night's sleep and eating kind of an American meal. I actually love Indian food, but I was just thinking about home. But I was open to, Lord, interrupt my life. I actually don't want you to leave me alone. I want you to interrupt my life in times when people need, yes. uh, need that. Yes. God. That can happen anywhere. And he, he wants to use ordinary people like you and me to bless people and to bring people closer to Christ. So the last point that I wanna make in the context of missions is that ordinary lives are wonderfully changed. One trip we were on in New York City, remember this, we were in, uh, we were in Queens, And we were on the corner of a subway stop. And we weren't getting a terribly uh, welcome reception. And that's putting it lightly. We were on the street street corner just telling people about Jesus, praying for people. And there's, you know, a lot of people around. And there was this one guy, though. He caught my attention. And I looked at him because he did not look well. You ever seen that? He just didn't look well. And just with that boldness of the Holy Spirit, I went up to him and I said, is there something that I can pray with you about? He said, just through eyes of of visible pain, last night I took 30 sleeping pills and drank a bottle of vodka. And when I woke up this morning, I was so incredibly disappointed. 30 sleeping pills and a bottle of vodka and he still woke up. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I know that us being here, I know by you waking up this morning and by us being here and our lives intersecting that it is no mistake. God has you here and me here at this time because he wants you to know that he sees you, he sees your pain, he sees your heartache, he sees you right at this very second and he wants you to know that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he has a plan for your life, and he has not overlooked you. So whatever pain and sorrow that you are feeling right now, he knows because he's felt that himself. He loves you. And we spent about an hour talking. Guys, I have, I have ministered, and I'm not exaggerating, to thousands of people, maybe even tens of thousands of people. I, I, know, as, I know he had an encounter with Jesus, but I had an encounter with Jesus that day. It was really, truly an amazing time. By the end of our conversation, I said, you know, there's nothing, it's not a magic formula. There's nothing special um, other than a life that's gonna be transformed, but there's no magic formula here for inviting Jesus into your life. Would you like to do that? And he did. And from the time that we started talking to the time that we finished up our conversation, he was a different person. He had hope because of Jesus, his life, was wonderfully changed and God gets all the glory. I don't know what has happened to him since then. I was able to actually get him uh, plugged into a local church, but I do know that on that day, both he and I had an encounter with Jesus and that his life was wonderfully changed by that. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the power of when we put ourselves in a situation to hear from him. That could be a short-term mission trip. That could be Just as you're driving up the road saying, Lord, uh, I'm willing to just have you interrupt my life and and, and minister to somebody. We have to be open to that. We actually have to get past uh, being afraid to approach people. We have to get past the fear of rejection, of opening our mouths if we feel like, hey, this might sound kind of weird, but God loves you, right? Right? Maybe it's the exact thing that they need to hear. Maybe that's the person that was gonna go home and take 30 sleeping pills and drink a bottle of vodka, but we have just, because we have heard from the Holy Spirit, we've just averted something. We've given them hope that someone does actually see them. We have to get past that fear of opening our mouths and speaking to people, of going. God will give us the power. He will give us the the words to say, but we have to be willing to move our feet and we have to be willing to open our mouths. We have got to step out and go. Jubilee, not going doesn't mean not doing. Not going doesn't mean not doing. We cannot afford to just sit in these seats and just let others do the work. There are billions of people that need the hope that you and I have. There are billions of people that need to know that somebody on this earth cares for them. There are so many people in our community that need to know that there is a living Jesus that isn't just uh, just an icon or isn't just um, some dead religion. He's a living God and there there are people around us in our families that need to know that. It's time for us to get out of our seats and to tell the world. We can and should pray for a move of God. Amen? We can and should pray for the nations, but here is the reality of things. You and I are the move of God. You and I are the answer to the prayers that we pray for the nations. We are the hope. We just have to be willing to get up and go. We are the answer to the prayers that we pray for those unreached people. Impacting the world around us can and should be a part of our ordinary lives. I want you to go on short-term mission trips. On Tuesday night, we have an amazing opportunity. Even if you can't go or don't plan on going to a short-term mission trip, please come on Tuesday night and just experience that. That probably is one of the most impactful nights that we have at our church in in any given year. It has been for the last three years. I hope that you will come on a short-term mission trip. I hope that people from our Uh, Our church, those that are watching online, will go be long-term missionaries sometime. That has happened in our church. But all of us are called to be a part of the Great Commission and reaching the lost. Amen? Not going doesn't mean not doing.
0: Okay, so church. If not going does not mean not doing, then what keeps us from doing? Let's take a look at point number two on your notes, and that says myths that keep us from fulfilling the Great Commission. And I'd like to start by reading one of the key foundational verses for missions, often known as the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is Jesus addressing the 11 remaining disciples, and they're on a mountain in Galilee, and this is after his resurrection. So let's start with verse 18. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now... As I read Jesus' words, I just wonder, what were these ordinary disciples thinking? First of all, here's Jesus and all of his glory, power, and authority. And he's laying out this big picture global plan to go reach the world, to start the church, and to make more and more disciples. And then he says, guess what, guys? I pick you. I choose you. Now, for me, I just wonder in my humanity, how would I have processed Jesus addressing me? I might have thought, okay, Jesus, you want me to go to what? You want me to leave the comforts of my home, what I know is familiar to me, and you want me to go into a foreign land to teach foreign people who, by the way, just very might want to kill me. Take my life for telling them about you. That's what you want me to go do? But Jesus, do you not remember that not that long ago, when it really came down to it, when you needed me the most, I actually denied you more than one time. I walked away from you, acted like I'd never spent any time with you, and in my eyes, I had failed you. Now, church, when I was preparing for this message I actually remember the first time that I heard the Great Commission being taught, much like I'm teaching to you guys in this weekend about missions. And I heard the word of God while I heard someone saying, missions is for you, you need to go into all the world, you're a disciple of Christ. Somehow that go ye therefore verse, it did not apply to me. You see, I had plenty of excuses and reasons why. I had grown up in a spiritually divided home. Uh, My mother was a Christian. She was very strong in her faith. She's the one that took me to church. Uh, Conversely, my father didn't want to go to church, didn't want anything to do with God, and at many times mocked my mom. I had attended public school for my education. And while I tried really hard to be a Christian, I tried to live out my faith in this secular environment, especially in my teenage years, I found it extremely difficult. It was like this. My view of God was when I made good moral choices and did things the right way and was a good girl, God loved me. Conversely, When I fell into sin and temptation, got in with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things, dating guys that added no spiritual value to my life. Um, It really was if God didn't even love me. He was angry with me. He was as far away from me as a man on the moon. Here was my theology. God loves me if and when I change. What I didn't realize is that God loves me. He loves us so that we can change. You see, here was my walk, my spiritual walk. I had one foot in the church door and one foot in the world. I wanted so much to live for God. But I was also attached to some things over here in the world. So my response as a young adult, when i'm hearing the great commission and you got to go on missions i was i was responding out of a spiritually divided heart and a divided lifestyle and i thought maybe like the disciples god can't use me why would he want to because when it counted on it i failed him i messed up now as i was preparing for this and i was praying and i was asking god god what do you have you know, I don't want to get up here and just say words. I want to hear from your heart. Listen, I know that, are peop- that there are people, maybe in this auditorium and listening online, and you can identify. You can identify with disqualifying yourself for ever being used by God because you can say, yeah, I get that. I got one foot in the church door, and I got one foot in the world. And I'm failing at both. Or maybe it's not things that you're doing. Maybe it's things that have been done to you. Maybe you would say, Rebecca, if I told you my story and all the things that I have gone through in my life, there's no way. Uh, It's such a mess, it's beyond healing. Here's the truth. Much like I needed to hear, God wants you to know that he loves you. He cares for you. I don't have the answers for you today, but I know who does. And I know Jesus has a special appointment if that is you. He wants you to hear you right hear me right now. Run to him. Surrender everything at the foot of the cross. Don't hold back. Listen, here's what qualifies us for the Great Commission. It is God's grace. It is his mercy. It's his forgiveness, his unfailing love. I know that I know that God changed my life. That's what qualifies me telling you that today. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's about what he's done for me. And I want you to hear so strongly, he wants to do that for you. He wants to take whatever mistakes, past things that you've done, regrets that you have, give it to him. Listen, church, here's here's what we get to do. When we have experienced the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus, how can we not then go out into this world and say, here I am, God, send me that's the basis of missions and the Great Commission, telling what he's done for you. Look what Jesus did. He set me free and giving that to the world. Now, you see, I had bought into two mindsets. Number one, missions is optional, and it certainly didn't apply to me. And number two, only extraordinary people need apply. Anybody ever feel like that? Church, I'm going to say something in love, and it's not because we're your missions pastors and we want to fill up these trips, but listen. Somehow in the church, we have slid missions into this optional, independent, almost like an elective type category that we might decide to join up with or not. I mean, it really doesn't affect my Christianity. And no, when you receive Jesus, you're guaranteed. You're going to heaven. You have a relationship with him. But let me tell you something. How's your spiritual life? When you join up with missions, your spiritual walk with God isn't dull. It isn't uninteresting. It isn't mundane. And it isn't boring. There is life in saying, I get to do this. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it applies to all believers, but maybe somehow we've made missions optional because we don't see ourselves, as Jonathan said, as those varsity and super varsity Christians. Maybe we think, well, that's for the ones who've read the Bible cover to cover multiple times, have scriptures memorized, that's for my pastors, leaders, those missionaries who had an awe oh, inspiring mountaintop experience with Jesus, that's for them. Has nothing to do with me. Here's reality, church the world outside these doors cannot afford for us to make missions optional or to say that it's only for extraordinary people. That's the reality. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Rebecca. <laughs> how do I apply this big picture global plan that, yes, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to participate in. What does that look like in my real day-to-day life? You know, here's a little bit about me. Jonathan and I, we have three children. They're in elementary school, middle school, and high school, and Lord help me. I'm just trying to get through the day. Most days I'm any other busy moms in the room, you know, you're driving around, you've got much to do on your plate just with your kids and all of their activities. Then I'm a wife. I love spending time with Jonathan. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to make time for my walk with God. I'm on staff here at the church. I'm a daughter, a sister, a friend, and the list goes on and on. And before you know it, you're like, oh my gosh, I am so busy. My life is so full. I don't have time for the Great Commission. <laughs> There's nowhere in my agenda. So what does that look like? I'd like to share a brief story with you where God showed up and allowed me to participate in making disciples. So it was an ordinary Monday. I was running errands. I was in a shopping center area not far from here. And I had been driving through the parking lot and I noticed this lady. For some reason, she just caught my eye, looked out of place. And I thought, huh, that's strange. She's kind of wandering around the parking lot. I wonder what she's doing here. Drove off, didn't think much about it. Later that day, I had returned to the same parking lot to drop my daughter off for dance class. And I rounded the corner, and I looked under the marquee sign, and there was that same lady. And I thought, huh, has she been here all day? I mean, that's strange. She just caught my attention once more. I thought, that's strange, and didn't think anything else of it. Started driving off to go home, and instantly, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Rebecca, would you go buy her dinner? Now, (laughs) here was my super varsity, spiritual, pastoral, response. (laughs) I said, nope, I don't want to do that because in 15 minutes, my favorite reality TV show comes on and it's the finale. And I really want to figure out who this girl chooses to be, her husband. Like it's, where were my priorities? Hey, I'm just keeping it real. Okay. Okay. I wanted to put my PJs on, get comfortable being a long day. It was a Monday after all. God, in his grace, was like, yeah, that's great. Would you please go buy her dinner? And uh, as Marcus was sharing earlier, I said, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. He's like, there's a McDonald's right up the street. And the whole time, if I'm being honest with you, I'm processing, what if she doesn't like McDonald's? What if I order, I don't know, she want a number one, a number two, a number three? I have no idea. She like Coke, girl, Diet Coke. I have no idea. Maybe she's not even going to be there anymore in the parking lot, and I'm going to go through all this trouble getting out of my car, right? You know, went through the drive-thru. You know. So I go through the drive-thru. Like, give me a number one and a Coke, and I go back, and she's still there. And I get out of my car, food in hand, and I walk up to her. I'm like, God, I thank you that you're with me. And I said, hi. And she says, hello. And I said, This is going to sound really strange, but um, my name's Rebecca, and uh, I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I was in this parking lot earlier today, and I was back again just to drop my daughter off for dance class, and um, I heard God tell me that he wanted me to buy you dinner. Are you hungry? And she said, yeah. So I gave her the food. And I'm standing there like, God, what am I doing here? I mean, I'm glad to buy her McDonald's and everything, but what am I doing here? And I asked her another question. I said, So what's your name? And she said, My name is Twisted Angel. And I knew, I knew I was there. God wanted me. He brought an opportunity to me to share his love. He said, tell her that's not her name. That's not what I call her. It's not how I see her. It's not that she goes overlooked or undervalued by me. Tell her I notice her. I could tell she was homeless. She... um I had been using drugs and just had a hard life, guys. So I said, okay, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah. Well, what do you pray for somebody like that? And I just said, God, well, what do you want me to say? Well, what would you pray if that was you? What would you pray if that was someone you loved? Maybe, what if that was my own daughter? What would I pray? And I began to speak the love of God over her. It's very simple. You know, sometimes we mess things up. We make it complicated. This gets involved, and we overthink, and we overprocess. It's pretty simple. Folks changing the world, doing the Great Commission, it does not require... special degree. It does not require a special title. Here's what it requires. Are we willing to say yes to Jesus? Are we willing to lay down our will and say, not my will, but yours be done? I got a question for us as we wrap up. How would our world look different if those of us who call ourselves Christians And we come in here week in and week out and we get wonderful teaching and worship and all of that stuff. What's that for? What do we do Monday through Friday? And I'm not trying to put guilt on anyone, trust me. This is not about a task and it's not about performance. This is about what do we do with our lives when we say we're disciples of Jesus? How would our world look different? How many twisted angels would God bring to us, would we encounter to say, that's not who you are? How would our world change? Church, I want to close with the scripture, Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Let's close in prayer. Father God, we just surrender our hearts. We surrender our lives to you right now. I thank you for this church. I thank you for my church, God. I thank you for this word that has gone forth about missions. And I ask that every heart, every soul that is hearing this message, that you would come and invade us, Lord God, that fear would not exist that we would not be afraid to join you in this great commission and to share the testimony of what you've done in each and every one of our lives. God, if you're calling us to go down the hallway in our home, if you're calling us to go down the office to speak to someone we worked with about you, maybe you're calling us to go overseas and to do a short-term mission trip. God, I I ask that we would ultimately say, not my will, but yours be done. And that we would say yes to the opportunities you place before us so that you, Jesus, can be glorified. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, church, thank you so much. Be blessed. Thank you for this missions weekend. And I'm going to turn it over to your campus pastor.